Welcome to the Smart Thinking Podcast. This is my dad, Ted. Welcome to the Smart Thinking Podcast. I'm your host, Ted Knightsky. Well, this past week I was working in a lot of different environments with a large variety of different people. And everywhere and almost everyone I was working with was tired. And not necessarily physically, but emotionally. Now it's that weird New Year hangover time where people seem to have burned all of their optimism and their optimistic capital. And now the reality of another year begins to settle in. When I get into environments like this, <laughs> I seem to just find another gear of energy and optimism. Like, come on, we can do this. So with lots of time in the car between different opportunities to serve others this past week, I did some smart thinking and reflecting as well as looking forward. I started to think about a bunch of different historical long-term issues and problems and began reflecting upon how did we tackle them? Who was responsible and what was their strategy? I mean, in schools and hospitals and workplaces and manufacturing, everywhere I go, there are these cyclical issues that just seem to always be present. Oh, and I just figured, I want to think about this. And I finally settled upon one idea and then began to perseverate on it until I boiled it down to one word, one behavior, and one person. And it just happens to be his time of the year. Before I get into this, I want to share a reminder with you about who we are and how we behave. Because we are Buffalo leaders who are charging into every storm we face. And we do that with optimism, believing that we can make a difference because we believe that the faster we get into the storm, the faster we get out of it. And when we maintain that mindset, well, it becomes a habit. And then we grow followers who act in the same manner all around us and they rely upon us for that fuel and support. And we do this with a bunch of different characteristics, but we mainly lean into being empathetic and reflecting upon what is happening for us and others. Keyword for, not to us. All right, one word, inquiry. One behavior, disruption. One person, Martin Luther King. Each year since I started the Smart Thinking Podcast, I've done an episode about Dr. Martin Luther King. He's one of my all-time favorite, favorite people. A person with great complexity, with immense energy, with strong values, who was an inspirer, a thinker, a communicator. A man with flaws, but endless creativity and the ability to just get others to move. And one person who could endure great storms, but yet maintain his mission. I'm certain, like many of us, that he had days or even longer periods of time when he was filled with doubt, worry, anxiety, and wonders, and, and probably wondered what it would be like to just walk away from all of it, do something else. I mean, when you reflect upon Dr. Martin Luther King, if you know anything about him and you study him, think about the hurdles that he faced. Here are just a couple. I mean, 12 years before his life was taken, he had received his very first threatening phone call telling him that they were going to take his life while he was at his home in Montgomery, Alabama. Then he endured just really weird swings of popularity to massive unpopularity. I mean, in 1966, the last time the Gallup poll had measured Dr. King, he had 32% of the United States rating him as positive. 63% viewed him negatively. By 1966, he was being blamed for the problems that he was dedicating his life to solving. Think of the times that he was at home or 
on the road in a hotel, and he would get a phone call telling him of some violent act that happened or people who lost their lives. I mean, people within his influence, they were killed. Imagine the weight this man faced when he learned that four young girls were killed. Addie Mae Collins, Denise McNair, Carly Robertson, and Cynthia Wesley. They were getting ready for church services at the church when a bomb exploded at the 16th Street Baptist Church, killing all four of the schoolgirls. I mean, the church had been a center for civil rights meetings and marches. Imagine the weight of the men and women in leadership who were encouraging others to take these risks and then them losing their lives. I can't even imagine the anxiety, the guilt, the frustration, and the sheer courage it took to get up and move forward. And then you add to all of that, he's a dad, a husband, he's a son, a brother. He is a person. King, as a major leader in the world, and for all of us, must have lived each day with a great weight of both doubt and inspiration. He's someone I can't read enough about and whose speeches I often read and find both inspirational and sadness within them. Why? Because many of the questions he was asking in his lifetime still need to be asked and answered today. I mean, he was just different and great in every sense. I think he was really great at asking questions and following up on those questions. I also think he was really, really curious and was watching the reactions and consequences all around him all of the time to determine what we and they needed to do differently. I've read most of his writings and most of his speeches, and there is a constant desire within them to reflect and to also disrupt the world to improve it. I mean, think of all the questions this man had over his lifetime between 1929 and 1968. I mean, listen to this. Listen to what he wrote once. The right to earn a living at work for which we are fitted by training and ability, equal opportunities in education, health, recreation, and similar public services. The right to vote before equality, equality before the law, some of the same courtesy and good manners that we ourselves bring to all human relations. He wrote that, and I'm guessing he was questioning, why can't I or others like me have these simple things in our lives? But now, here's what I want you to think about. He wrote that when he was 17 years old. Did you know that? He wrote that to the editor of the Atlanta Constitution, and it was published on August 6th, 1946, when he was, yeah, 17 years old. I mean, what high schooler is laying around thinking about questions like this and then can so clearly and concisely articulate a question? What did he do that we now need to do? Well, we need to ask questions. We need to be disruptive and we need to be the one who leads it all out. Yeah, you, the one who's listening, not sitting around waiting for someone else. Now, I am not sure what you are facing, and I know it is significant because you are facing it. Yet, I hear all of the time from people, well, there's nothing we can do about it. It's just the way it is. Really? Do you think a young Martin Luther King sitting in his bedroom, you know, high school aged, was like, well, it's just the way it is. No, he was laying there thinking like, why can't I enjoy basic rights living here but yet having to deal with a racist and segregated Atlanta post-World War II. He was thinking, I'm going to do something. I want you to think about this as a leader and a person who has a lot of influence, and most importantly, a lot of influence with others, and then even upon yourself. Martin Luther King asked a question, 
How can we increase the opportunities for the poor and the people of color in America? He grew famous by advocating for one single strategy, nonviolent protests. He asked a great question and then brought a proven strategy to America. I mean, one he learned from Gandhi. As Martin Luther King learned and watched India earn independence from Britain, something that occurred when he was 18 years old, he saw that Gandhi too asked a question and he leaned into his faith. I mean, Gandhi was following the principles of Buddhism and Hinduism and a simple process, which is do no harm. I mean, do you know that Dr. King went to India in 1959 and then he interviewed all of the leaders who grew up around Gandhi and returned to the United States saying he felt like he had met the founding fathers of the nonviolence international movement, India's version of Washington, Jefferson, and Madison? Those are Martin Luther King's words. Either way, Martin Luther King asked a question, found a strategy, sought in places, and organized around it. Rosa Parks, for example, she was on her, was one of the most famous examples of nonviolent protests, and that led to a boycott, which brought people in authority to the table to have a conversation. Leadership and strategy, however, need another ingredient, perseverance and a willingness to constantly go into that storm so that you can disrupt. Leadership also needs to clearly communicate and explain, which is why Martin Luther King was so influential. He had vision, strategy, inquiry, and he could explain it. He was constantly trying to hold together the fabric of the nonviolent strategy to get America to change because it was disruptive. However, he faced great resistance with others who believed it was time to engage with equal force to the people who were opposing and oppressing people of color in America. Listen to this explanation of nonviolence from an article he wrote in 1958 entitled The Current Crisis in race relations. He writes, first, this is not a method of cowardice or stagnant passivity. It does resist. The nonviolent resistor is just as opposed to the evil against which he is protesting as the person who used violence. It is true that this method is passive or aggressive in the sense that the nonviolent resistor is not aggressively physical towards his opponent. But his mind and emotions are always active, constantly seeking to persuade the opponent that he is mistaken. This method is passive physically, but it is strongly active spiritually. It is non-aggressive physically, but dynamically aggressive spiritually. A second basic fact about this method of nonviolence is that it does not seek to defeat or humiliate the opponent, but to win his friendship and understanding. The nonviolent resistor must often voice his protest through non-cooperation or boycotts. But he realizes that non-cooperation and boycotts are not ends within themselves. They are a means to awaken a sense of moral shame within the opponent. The end is redemption and reconciliation. The aftermath of nonviolence is the creation of the beloved community, while the aftermath of violence is tragic bitterness. Pretty awesome. It's also pretty deep, but it also clearly articulates what we have to do. What question is he answering there in 1958? Well, it's the same question that he's constantly being asked. Why don't we physically and violently engage? Well, violent engagement was how it had always been done, forcing sides. There is no disruptive innovation in doing what's always done and what's expected. Imagine being a leader and having two main approaches to a topic, 
he picked the disruptive one, the one that most would not have. I mean, who instinctively would go into a segregated restaurant in the South and intentionally sit there knowing that you are going to face physical retribution? Well, someone who truly believed that the nonviolent resistance was going to work. And like King said, it did work in the time by bringing to light very publicly what people had to face in order to have basic rights in the United States. One more for you, and then we're going to think about being disruptive in our worlds in order to break some of the cycles that we may have decided to accept. The week before his assassination, Martin Luther King was speaking at the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C. It was March 31, 1968. His speech was entitled, Remaining Awake Through a Great Revolution. And buried in this amazing speech is a question that years ago I highlighted in a text. In the middle of this beautiful and eloquent speech, King asks, Can we in America stand idly by and not be concerned? To which he answers, We are coming to ask America to be true to the huge promissory note that it signed years ago. And we are coming to engage in dramatic nonviolent action, to call attention to the gulf between promises and fulfillment, to make the invisible visible. And then he asks another question in the speech a minute later. Why do we do it this way? Well, we do it this way because it is our experience that the nation doesn't move around questions of genuine equality for the poor or for black people until it is confronted massively, dramatically in terms of direct action. In the answer to his question, a question he has been asking and acting upon since he was 17 years old, he says, because it will work and has worked if we confront massively and dramatically in terms of direct action by being nonviolent by shutting down systems. MLK is one of the most prolific leaders as we define it. Influence and awareness of that influence. His message was consistent. He knew there was an audience. He knew the media was listening. But no matter what he faced, he stuck to it and made it a huge way of life for so many. He made a huge difference. And he made a difference across the world as he continued to inspire. Let's take that inspiration and look at it as a process now. And the process is simple. Learn, inquire, inspire, and move by being disruptive. We all face age-old questions and problems, like why do the people I work with maintain a victim mindset? Why do kids not behave at this time of the year? Why do adults lose motivation halfway through a project? Why can't we ever find consensus? How come things that we try just seem not to work? Why do we continue to prefer division over unification? And even bigger issues that we live with all day long in our nation and our world, but they are way too big for the little old smart thinking podcast. King had a strategy. And that was that he stuck to the question and he picked one strategy with a million tactics. Why can't we have greater equality for people of color and people in poverty? And he said, we will nonviolently protest and bring attention until people act and the world changes. Hmm. Bring the issue to everyone's attention, stick to the strategy, and inspire others. The smart thinking here for you is to bring the question you have to the team, your group, your family, or whomever, and have the courage to confront it. That's what King does, and that's what he did. That's the missing behavior for many of us. We are going to confront what is bothering us. We're going to bring it to the crowd and ask, what is it we need to do different in order to change the world around us? The answer will always be found within the culture, and everyone will be engaged in the solution if there is someone willing to constantly guide, lead, inquire, be curious, and inspire. 
We all need an advocate, but too often we're all sitting around waiting for that someone to step forward. Well, guess what? They're in the mirror. Why can't it be you? Why do you have to wait for others to come along and run past you into the storm before you have the willingness to do so? Martin Luther King is a powerful leadership study, but he is also someone to look to when you need a strategy and courage. Any problem that you are facing is one that you have many choices with. Most importantly, the choice to act upon. Where can I disrupt? I mean, think of the disruptions of your world on a micro and macro scale. Think of those that were facing Martin Luther King and his colleagues and followers. One idea and a million different approaches all over the United States. We will peacefully resist. We will nonviolently resist. And all the different ways that has been carried out over decades and decades. You don't want to respect us? (laughs) Watch this. We'll shut down your city. We'll not use your buses. We won't pick up your garbage. We won't come to work. We won't be your maids. We will not clean your hotels. We will not buy from your stores. We won't work for different or lower wages. Indecision and acceptance of the problem is what has led many people throughout history to be trapped in a cycle of mad confusion, sadness, and despair. Your world, your culture, your team, your kids all look to you to break those things up. And yes, like you, they're waiting. But they need a role model, an example, a leader. One question, by you with a solution can change your world. Imagine asking, why can't we seem to get anyone to care about the racial disparities in our nation? And then someone saying, well, let's adopt a nonviolent strategy where we strike and shut down local economies. We work through the judicial system to change the law and we put on great pressure across the country. Well, that'll lead to protests. And then when the other side reports to uh, resorts to threats and violence, well, we'll respond with peace. (laughs) That'll irritate the heck out of them get people to wonder about our situation, and then we'll have influence. Now take what is a grand strategy and boil it down for yourself. Why is this bothering me? What can I do about it? And who are all the people that could help me? As we enter the second half of the year, and we have the opportunity to address age-old cycles, let's break them by standing up and questioning the behaviors. Why do we allow people in the culture to drag us down? Why do we allow people not within our organization to define us? Why do we quit when things get tough and blame up? Why do we continue to allow these disparities to occur within our own organizations? Why? Well, because we choose to accept them. Because this is the norm. But it's not. We have but one life and we should be advocating every day for ourselves to be better, happier, and smarter. And then once we have that internally, we can do it for others. Okay. We need to listen to Dr. King and remember that our voices and actions matter especially if we focus on being better. After all, Dr. King did say, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. So let's do some smart thinking. List the cycles within your life that need to be broken. List questions you have that could spark a change for the world around you. And describe where you need to be disruptive. That's it. That's the Smart Thinking Podcast. Hey, as always, thank you for listening, and please make sure to rate and share this episode. Remember, if you need a little spark, shoot me an email, and we'll figure out a way to work with your team or others to make sure they have the energy they need to inquire, be curious, and be disruptive. And also, please remember to support my favorite band, the Well Pennies, who give us the permission to use their music each week by following them on your musical platform. Okay. 
Studying history, it's clearly a lifelong passion of mine, and I often miss being in front of students to review and tackle difficult topics and ideas. And we live in a time that is uniquely our time with a lot of old issues. However, we have so many great lessons to reflect upon in order to understand what is going on in our own world. Understanding allows us to grow and lead better. You, as a leader, need to really do some smart thinking about this topic. We all own our own life. The long list includes things like happiness, engagement, success, lifestyle, elements of our health, etc. But we also owe it to ourselves and others to be a disruptor and challenge what is not working. The cycles of inequity within our systems and most importantly create the conditions so those we serve can be successful. We owe it to ourselves to act like Dr. King. Ask a question disrupt with the strategy, and then communicate to others so that they want to make a difference in the world they live in and make it better. This is the essence of charging into the storm and not walking away from it. Innovation and disruption are behaviors of the buffalo. There is no quit in us. There's only a strong desire to make the world a better place and support the needs of all those around us by being like Dr. Martin Luther King. All right, this week's song is by my favorite band about one of my favorite people. This is U2, and the song is MLK. Rain on 